0: Hello everybody, welcome to After Further Review with Mark Ferrer and John Pelkey. I am John Pelkey. We certainly hope your isolation or pseudo-isolation or now opening or soon to open or never will open or stuck at home for the rest of your life or whatever you're going through is going as well as possible. Got a good show on the pod for you today. Our good friend Derek Abbott rejoining us this time to talk a little about his situation, Mark Ferreira, as an assistant football coach yeah, how about at the that? Coast Guard Academy, he is playing as, as much, if not more, of a wait and see than the rest of us.
1: Well, I'll tell you, it's really, really nice and very fortunate for us to have someone who is in, to quote our great friend Riley Claremont, the belly of the beast, <laughs> in terms of what's going on, what the plans are, who are they listening to, what is the next step for college football? We're out here in the great void <laughs> speculating about all that. We've right. actually got someone, Johnny, that that is in the middle of it.
0: Right. And uh I have a I have a feeling uh though he's going to know a lot more than us. Derek's probably doing a lot of waiting around and speculating as well because we just don't know what's going on. So we'll get to him in a minute. We're also going to talk about a, um, a plan, Mark, Major League Baseball for an 80-game season. This is, uh, I, you know, obviously, and I don't think the caveat that all these things are tentative needs to be thrown out there anymore, but they have right. an 80-game a season plan with uh, seven teams, I believe, uh, from each league in the playoffs starting mm-hmm. sometime in mid to late July. They can even massage that a little. It's the first really um, detailed thing that we've seen. So we want to talk a little about that. As always, we'll have our progressive trivia of the day. We'll also have a poll question, Mark. Uh, starting a new trend and having poll questions on Monday. And uh, we're continuing with our trend of having a poll question on Monday that we give people until Friday to answer. And then talking about it, we'll also let people know what the, our trivia, our progressive trivia daily we do Monday through Friday on Facebook Live, uh, what the uh, standings are at this point in time. So it is chock full of stuff to talk about. But first... Chock full. Chock full, Johnny. Jeff Taylor on the board, as always. Um, how you guys doing? How How is your isolation slash all of those things that I said going? Well, I, I normally spend uh, the weekends up at the
1: lake, as you know. Uh, yes. Derek's father, Keith Abbott, uh, coined it the cabin, which cabin. Ha- yep. has stuck, has completely stuck. I've uh, been up there and normally spend a few days a week up there as well, but uh, main, mainly the weekend. And over the weekend, of course, heard the very sad news, although what is sad when you're 87 years old, of Little Richard. And and wow. I'll, I'll tell you, John Pelkey, you and I are, are big rock and rollers and certainly big rock and roll history guys. And um, in terms of a pillar, in terms of a fundamental pillar of that entire genre, Little Richard, is certainly one of those guys. As a matter of fact, I, you know, I, I have the Beatles channels on on Sirius Satellite. When I was coming in from the cabin today, coming in from the lake, I uh, I listened to it, and and the morning show had a little bit where it said little Richard said, you know, I taught Paul McCartney to go woo, and it's true. Long it's tall Sally, exact amongst yeah, that long a, tall sort Sally of a version third of is.
0: everything else Paul McCartney sang in his career, but yeah. Uh, that's- the version of Long Tall Sally that uh, McCartney sings to the Beatles is one of my favorite versions uh, of that it, of that song. It is. But outstanding. I, 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 I did a, I did a little Richard day where I listened to a lot of Little Richard. And I would agree with you, the pillars and I'm Jeff's actual musician. So I sure. get his opinion. My, in my mind, the pillars of rock and roll are Little Richard, Jerry Lee Lewis, Chuck Berry and Elvis. Anybody? Anybody want to dispute me with that? Anybody yeah. want to throw in a Kevin Cronin of REO speedwagon? Perhaps a Lonesome Dave Peabert from um, Mark's favorite band, Foghat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing, Mark. No, you can't. So you much.
1: can't. You can't because so it's
0: you. You can't
1: actually say it authentic, authentically. You really can't. Now we could do the Mount Rushmore of rock That's and roll. That's Mount Rushmore. The, you could do the pillars of rock and roll: Elvis, Jerry Lee. Little Richard and Chuck Berry. And perhaps maybe we take out Jerry Lee and replace him with someone only because he and Little Richard were both piano based and, you know, Elvis 13 year old
0: cousin. There's nothing more Southern rock and roll than that.
2: I would put him I would put him in before I'd put Elvis in. I don't think Elvis was a pioneer. I think he bridged the gap of uh, the listenership maybe, but I don't think he was pioneering musically.
0: Well, now listen. I don't. I'm not taking. I'm not going to take an issue with that. But I'm just saying from the from what Robert popularized rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. But that you go back, If you go back into those blues musicians, it's, and you're right. Know, you can go it back. Muddy wetten. Waters. Then you get in the weeds. I'm just talking about straight up rock and roll. Sure. Like rock and roll radio and the popularity of rock and roll. I, yeah. I just while I agree, um, Elvis, not necessarily a um, a pillar in and of the fact that he was. Exclusively, somebody who uh, uh, took other people's material and uh, and made it his own. But I just don't think you can talk about the history of rock and roll or the Mount Rushmore rock and roll without putting Elvis Presley. In. That's
1: just no. Me. I don't think you can either. I think he is the you know the king of rock and roll, and I, I really do believe that. I obviously believe Chuck Berry is right there. Yes. I believe Little Richard is right there. Maybe I'd make an argument, Johnny, about but, Buddy Holly as opposed but, to as opposed
0: yep. to Jerry Lee. Yeah cuz Buddy Holly was the just sort of that king of uh, l- letting letting uh, kids know they could write their own three exactly. minute songs that could be and, big hits and, and just get up there with a couple of buddies and Bo and Diddley Bo Diddley also on the list I think uh, when you're talking about it but I'm going to stick I'm going to stick with mine
1: I I am not going to argue with Jerry Lee Lewis oh by the way Jerry Lee Still alive, 142 day before
0: yesterday. So
1: it's Jerry Lee
2: Lewis,
0: 42 years.
1: How
2: old's the wife? How old's the wife? 150. 30. What's that? How old's the wife? 130.
1: (laughs) She's now his wife's
2: 13.
1: 24. She's 20. Oh yeah, he he has learned a little bit. It's she's 24. (laughs) Oh boy, yeah, Uh, no, good stuff. Little Richard, unbelievable, unbelievable life, unbelievable career.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh anybody uh any of you guys do anything sports wise, watch anything. I actually uh I actually recorded the Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Orlando Magic and the Indiana Pacers. They had that on the other night. I didn't watch it yet, but I was at that game. So I don't want to watch it. Uh I-, I think it really will. It'll be the first time I've ever watched it. I don't remember watching a rebroadcast. And uh I'm tr- I don't think anybody else dive into any recorded sports.
2: No,
1: no, I have not over, not over the weekend uh, at all. Actually, to tell you the truth, I I'm reading a lot of articles. I'm reading a lot of NFL startup stuff. I'm reading yeah. a lot of stuff on, on my teams as well in terms of how they're putting together the teams. And, um, you know, I'm also just, I I'm also fascinated with this balance that the entire country is trying to find, between protecting our health and protecting, you know, I, even saying the wealth is 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 a bit much at this point in time, protecting you know the few pennies we have left. Uh, that balance and and opening up and not opening up. I actually went to a restaurant and got a takeout order for Mother's Day last night, Johnny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, that restaurant in the villages. Oh, by the way, a. A hot spot you would think, although they've done very very well for themselves, as has the entire state of Florida, and, and there's p- plenty of theories about that but um there were about forty people in there it was open hmm. they were social distanced hmm. the servers had masks mm-hmm. and I went in there to to uh do a you know a curbside takeout and i I, I poked my head in and there's about ten tables about average of a four four top each um, you know I would never do it at this point in time yeah but it's being done and well, i don't i don't know you know we're I, trying to find the balance and i just i just wish you know i just wish frankly that it it wouldn't be an either or because because the entire country wants both to happen everyone wants to be safe and healthy and everyone wants to make money again so it's not as if it's not everyone wants both so let's approach it that way as opposed to this one or the other crap if you ask me that we just do because it's what we do we're just well, tribes it's like we haven't evolved an inch i'm i'm right, a little surprised. surprised
0: i'm a little surprised that the villagers that uh, while they were up there they didn't open it up for the annual sneeze-a-thon, where they just sneezed on each other because you know <sighs> facts no no
1: no no i mean the, the, the yeah. villages have have it's amazing that it hasn't been hit harder the county that the villages are, in, well, the villages are so huge. They're in three oh. counties. They're actually in three counties, John Palkey. Yeah, the I mean. villages. It's such a, it's such a uh, blob. It just spreads. It just literally spreads. <laughs> Oh but uh, it's that, actually, there's like 33 deaths total in three total counties in that area of the state. Well, so, there you go. There's so scientific- they don't feel. They don't feel like it's really hit them. You know I, what I mean? Turns That's big out, it turns
2: out. It turns out that uh, you can't have coronavirus and herpes at the same time. So the villagers stole are saying. Oh, stole sorry, my buddy. Joke. Sorry. I was
0: just going to jump in and say that it was counteracted by the STDs, and there it is, right there. All right, <laughs> enough. <laughs> That's no, always the risk, Johnny. <laughs> Enough of this frivolity. Let's talk about things that are more, a little more important in the world of sports, certainly with our good friend, Derek Abbott, assistant coach at the Coast Guard Academy. First of all, Derek, thanks for joining us as always. And I have to ask you under normal circumstances, where, what would you, where would you be right now? What would you be doing? And what would, what would your preparations be for the upcoming season?
3: Well, thanks for having me again, guys. Uh, and, typically at this time I would actually be in uh, probably in a film room right now or working on spring ball um, that's kind of where everybody would be at right now some some programs did uh, spring ball earlier I think UConn actually got through with their spring ball before uh, coronavirus hit um, but yeah they, right now it would probably be making spring ball uh, adjustments and, and tweaking with different things because this is really the opportunity and time that you really experiment with stuff you do some football research this is where you're trying to gain all your knowledge for the upcoming season try to figure out what your team might look like in the fall and then with the recruiting as well too um, we'd be having recruiting visits and and going out and probably be all over the country I actually was down here on a recruiting visit um, when we were on spring break and that's when everything kind of all kind of happened at once and and they said you know hey just stay down there you could just recruit from home so uh, I've had actually a pretty nice opportunity to see my my mom and dad more than I normally do because right now, like you guys asked, I mean I would probably be sitting in a film room for way longer than I should. And yeah,
0: and if you're gonna if you're gonna sit in a state uh, recruiting wise to have an opportunity to talk to people, Florida, Texas, Pennsylvania, California, not bad places. Now, also, Derek, you guys had a coaching change. Your head coach at the Coast Guard Academy, Bill George, was there, I believe, twenty one years. And you've made a coaching change coming into this year. It Any fears that now I know you're, uh, you're the coach took over coach Smith, I believe that took over has also been there a long time. So probably not huge changes, but there are, are there any program changes that you guys thought you might be putting into place that now may not happen because of this?
3: No, I think everything has kind of been uh, the same other than, you know, having like spring ball and everything else. But we got kind of, we, we were really fortunate that we were able to hire somebody internally that was also, had been there for 20, 20 some odd years in, in, in Coach Grant. Um, he comes over, he was a co defensive coordinator, and now he becomes the head coach. He was also the head baseball coach because the academy is kind of unique where I'm, a, I was actually the only coach um, that's in the building all the time that doesn't either coach a class or another sport. Uh, so it's a really unique situation. But, yeah, we had Coach George, I, I kind of stepped in late into the fold last year. I got hired in um, in August, kind of came right in, and then I found out towards the middle of the year that, hey, you know, Coach George is going to retire and that we we're going to move forward with a different head coach. Um, so, obviously, that was a big adjustment as well, too. But uh, Coach Grant, uh, he, he's done a great job and everything. He's a tremendous leader. And um, there shouldn't really – I don't foresee there being any big – um, obstacles. And, and I think actually this whole thing kind of helps us because typically we are behind um, from other teams because other teams have more, you know, their, their players are more accessible. Our guys are cadets. Our guys are the first priority there is, you know, hey, we're training, we're training guys that are going to be future leaders in, in U.S. Coast Guard. So that's the first priority. Football is just kind of like something that they do as a side job. Uh, as opposed to in other programs where, you know, hey, you're coming here. You might go play in the NFL. These guys got no aspirations to play in the NFL, but those guys handle everything so professionally um, and in an adult manner and everything that they do. So we really don't have any concerns going forward.
1: And yet you are still in the middle of this thing and mm-hmm. have to move forward somehow, some way like everyone else. And you're still a college football program. So in terms of any clarity, in any clarity at all in what to do next, you had mentioned the military has ideas, the government has ideas, your state has ideas. Who do you listen to? Who does your leadership in your building, from your coach on down, from your athletic director on down, who are they following orders from, frankly?
3: Well, I think you know Admiral Kelly, our um, our Admiral at the Academy, does a great job of relaying a message and and uh, and and openly communicating with cadets and and families and everything of that matter. And we're really just kind of listening to everybody. We're listening to what you know the U.S. military wants to do, what uh, the Defense Department is ordering, the the, the CDC. That we're just kind of trying to take in and gather as much information as we possibly can. Um, it's a real shame that, you know, the, the other programs, they lost their season and those kids won't be able to get their season back as well because they have to go on into the fleet. So other programs, you might be able to get a red shirt year or whatever it might be. We They don't have that opportunity. So I feel even worse for those guys. Um, but in terms of football wise, you know, I, I'm in constant contact with uh, with our offensive coordinator, Ray LaFort and then obviously our head coach, C.C. Grant. Um, just trying to get the message and, and try and see what we can do. Staying in contact with their guys, making sure that they're safe, and doing a good job.
1: Now that's awesome and and that's great and and it's uh, no surprise that the admiral is is uh, you know that stellar at, at at his job. But in terms of what you know, Derek, and what you have to do next, mm-hmm. do you know what you have to do next, or is that still a is still is everyone still waiting?
3: It's determine just a
1: one, the next move.
3: Yeah, it's just one big waiting period right now. I mean, you hear everything. I mean, you hear some of the crazy, oh, we're not going to have a football season. Okay, well, we might have a football season, but without fans. Or, you know, everything's going to be fine. So, again, it's just a, it's a day-to-day process uh, for not only us, but but every program right now. Um, so, hopefully, in the next week or so, two weeks, three weeks, we can get some sort of clarity and, uh, and so what we can have a plan going forward. But like I said, I, I, those guys do a great job of relaying a message. So I, I'm just a low guy in the totem pole. I just wait for the orders and uh, and then just kind of go about my business with it and just try and get better for next season.
0: Talking to Derek Abbott, assistant coach at the Coast Guard Academy, assistant football coach. Uh, well, how about has has there been contact with uh, the, the overseeing bodies for college football and your division 3 program uh as far as what kind of contact you can have with your players and have you had any uh uh, obviously you're going to lose out on spring ball clearly w- what are the what are the rules as you see them in in place for at least keeping contact because i assume you want to you want to keep some contact with your guys and make sure that they're it's coast guard academy they're going to be properly motivated but you know prepared <laughs> mentally prepared for the season it, it requires a lot and it's really hard right now i would assume for kids to uh to get their head screwed on properly because we don't know. So what kind of contact are you allowed to have or have you had with your players?
3: So I, I, I text them back and forth to make sure that, uh, you know, their families are doing safe. They're doing everything's healthy. Um, and uh, you know, FaceTime them every now and then, you know, I'll send them cutups on um, we have a software program called huddle, similar to what the NFL uses in DV sport and exos that you're able to share film with your players and say, and you write tabs and notes and say, Hey, you know, this is the kind of coverage that we might be getting versus when we play, you know, uh, university in new England next year. Um, so that, that kind of learning stuff, the in classroom stuff, I think that it changes because you're not in person to person. I'm a, I'm an in person to person guy. I like having meeting. I don't, I don't like the zoom stuff. I'm not a great fan of it. One, because I'm not great with computers and I might be the only 26 year old on the planet that isn't. Um, but <laughs> you sound great on this show. So, you don't sound right. <laughs> But but keeping constant contact with those guys and and, and making sure that they're good. And then, you know, obviously, too, um, in contact with our offensive coordinator, who I work with, whether I'm in the booth and we shoot each other uh, ideas all the time and we're able to bounce ideas and stuff. So there's different stuff that he'll just text me one day. Hey, I want you to do some research on this. Look at this personnel grouping. Well, what do you think about this? So now this is still a really time. I got nothing else to do other than – do the podcast. It's you guys, uh, get some <laughs> filming, do, do some recruiting and then go, go golf with my dad for, uh, in the afternoon. So that's, that's probably the most stressful part of my day is the golf because I'm progressively getting worse. And I don't know why.
1: <laughs> is your dad getting worse? That's what's most important. We need to have I, some. I'm, I'm not sure that's possible.
0: I've golfed with Keith.
3: I, you know, he's gotten better, but he does the same thing as me is that he, we find one thing, like all of a sudden I was hitting the ball straight for like three weeks, driving the crap out of the ball. And then all of a sudden I just develop a hook and I don't know where it came from. It just happened overnight. It's like my golf game got coronavirus and now I, <laughs> yikes,
1: you know, who knows? Do you, do, do you, do you golf at all with Bobby Kelly, the, the, uh, the great Bobby Kelly that we haven't seen in a long time? Well, wow, this
0: has got to be entertaining for people listening,
1: Mark. Thanks for that. Well, let's
0: take a trip down. <laughs> you, you know Former what? ESPN club he employees owns Derek the Florida Tap room.
1: I was about to give him a, a shout-out for a business of his, independent business that may or may not be open now because of uh, the relaxed rules in Florida. Yes or no? Derek, you can just say yes or no, and I'll move on. I, I, I,
3: haven't, I haven't golfed with him in probably about three four years now. Fair enough. I've actually That's gone out and golfed with him. I think it was at my uh, my dad's wedding that he I golfed with him. All right. Which was Not during which, the wedding. It was, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would be even better. I, I have another college football question. I want to know if there's anything out there from anyone above. And we've sort of alluded to this and sort of uh, skirted around this, but has there been any solid options thrown out to you and the staff and everyone uh, above you, as you've described yourself as, as the, the peon uh, amongst everyone <laughs> Uh Official, not official, but uh, options. We're about to talk about some options that baseball has floated out. They're having their meeting today. These are just options that the press has reported on prior to the owners' meetings. Has there been anything out there that has some legs, in your opinion, option-wise?
3: Well, I, I think the one that people have been talking about the most is, is the having the season without fans. Which that's got to be so weird. I watched the UFC fight on Saturday night and it was like watching a video game on mute. You could hear every punch and kick and, and audio and it was just very bizarre. But like, you know, that's one thing that, you know, they've heard on the news a lot. But I think a lot of it's just going to trickle down from what obviously other academies do. Um, yep. Since we're all kind of aligned together. And then what, you know, the power five and everything else, well, it'll kind of have that trickle down effect because we're not traveling as far unless we, you know, we reach the playoffs. I mean, the, our furthest ride um, would be down to Catholic University uh, down to D.C. <coughs> right. um, so that's really like a, there's no we're not flying anywhere. So really, like the, the travel stuff is more on the on the bigger programs. But I think that's just going to be more of a trickle down thing. I hope that we have just a regular season and just kind of go about everything because I'm really excited about the team that we got coming back. It would be a shame if nobody could see it, (laughs) you know. But that's just kind of how things go. You know, you just got to adapt and, and make the most out of it.
0: Uh, final couple of moments with uh, Derek Abbott, assistant football coach at uh, the Coast Guard Academy. Well, let me ask you this question, because being a little bit familiar with uh, Service Academy football growing up in the D.C. area, and I have a lot of friends who are in the Navy, and I went to a lot of Navy games. Um, these uh, student-athletes that you have have obligations far beyond the rest of us, and, and that includes you know, Division I plus football players at alabama and ohio state uh there have been some uh some ideas out there about maybe pushing the start of the season back a little bit given the responsibilities that the players on your squad have Derek, with is that even a possibility because they have a lot of hands-on things that they have to do and their academic requirements are obviously incredibly rigorous but beyond that so much to do Is that even a possibility at a place like the Coast Guard Academy that you don't start the season until late in the fall and bleeding into the spring, which is something that we've heard from uh, from athletic directors and conference presidents?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. And I got to say, because I got to give a shout out to my guys and what they do on a daily basis. I mean, they're taking 18 to 22 credits of something I can't even spell. Um, they're some of the most incredible human beings I've ever come in contact with. They're all the kind of guys that if you have a daughter, that's who you want your daughter to marry. So they're some of the most incredible humans, but in regards to that, I mean, that that could be really, really tough because like I said, how rigorous the, the Academy is and, and what their other, um, what their other jobs that they may have to do while they're at the Academy, you know, like a lot of the guys in other programs, they go away for the summer, or they come and they work out at the, at the facility. Well, our guys, you know, they go to Bahrain, they go down to Puerto Rico, they go to all these different places. So, like, it's an intern not an internship. It's a job that they're going all over the country. And like, you know, we don't even get a true training camp. We get about maybe about two weeks to get them ready, and you just got to roll them out there. Now, there's some tough kids, you know, they're and they're also really intelligent too, but. It would be extremely difficult, I think, to work around a military schedule and push a season back. And that's that's something that you would probably see with Air Force, Army and Navy as well. Yeah,
0: I've actually I've actually seen on some message boards again for some uh, Navy football and stuff where people have been discussing that in the requirements particularly of seniors juniors as well that it would be very very difficult to push the season back and boy that would to lose service academy football would be really difficult because i'm somebody who again grew up watching that
2: and, it's
3: and I, I, I hope it doesn't come to that because those kids deserve everything i mean they work their tail off day in and day out get four nights of sleep they're up studying you know naval architecture and wind patterns and everything else and then they go to class all day they come to practice which is like recess for them and we only get to meet with them for maybe about 45, 45 minutes a week. That's it. Cause they got other stuff to do. And then they got dinner, then they're studying, then they're back in bed and it's like a day in and day out thing. And the one that killed me the most is that they didn't have their gra- They're not going to have their graduation ceremony. So, you know, our quarterback who's actually getting married uh, in about two weeks, um, he had to make different arrangements for his wedding. I was supposed to fly up for it, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen now. And then not having a graduation ceremony when that's something that you dream about. That's uh, that's that kills me. Cause I see the work that these guys put in and it's the day in and day out grind that I truly appreciate.
0: Yeah. I mean, they are to your point, they are some of the most impressive people that you'll ever, ever come across. And uh, you know, and in this discussion, Mark, we're finding the dominoes that, that are falling are, Outside the usual stream of dominoes, people don't realize how many things have to fall into place for us to to put together a season. So most likely, maybe, well, I would say most likely, but some games without fans seems like a a, a great possibility. Um, Maybe not in college football. Maybe we'll be together, uh, be able to get things together in time for that. But uh, Major League Baseball, and if if we have NHL and NBA playoffs, and that's still a a very big if. Uh, Derek Abbott, Thank you so much for spending some time with us, man. I know you're dog paddling down here, waiting to get back to work, and we certainly <laughs> hope you have an opportunity to do that. And hopefully, we'll have a chance to talk to you uh, again before that happens, and hopefully, with a little more clarity for all of us. Derek, thanks so much, my man. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Derek. All right. I'll tell you, John Pelkey, that it's great to have him
1: in there because not only is he in the belly of the beast of just college football in general, you know, but we are all, again, in a void speculating. Based on whatever the latest (laughs) popular scientific data sort of pierces its way, you know, through the membrane of our collective consciousness. I mean, it's it's sort of unbelievable how we are so reactive to that. And we have someone not only the belly of the beast of college football, but to your point, Johnny, we have someone who can talk to the ramifications of that. Yeah. In his particular situation and in the situation of the Naval Academy, West Point, or the Air Force Academy as well. So it's it's outstanding. And uh, Derek, thank you so much, buddy. We love having you on.
0: So uh, well done. I All think right. we're ready to get a little progressive trivia, John. Yeah, I know. I skipped over, but I do. Uh, after that, we're going to have to uh, talk because uh, Jeff just sent, uh, sent me the article that the. Uh Owners have approved the league proposal that uh, that we're going to talk about, the 80-game proposal with the expanded playoffs. So, again, everything's still up in the air, Mark, depending on uh, what happens with the virus. But Major League Baseball seems ready to to push through with that plan. So we'll talk a little about that later. But to your point, I skipped over it because I wanted to get to the uh, the interesting stuff with uh, Derek.
1: You, you, before we even get to anything, it's universal DH, John Pelkey. It's universal DH. I know. I know. I, I, I know. And I'm, I'm, Brian Winnegar, our former producer,
0: would be just doing I'm, a I'm jig so angry right now. I'm so angry about it. You have no idea. He will I, be I, doing a jig on our graves. We'll never have a DH. There'll never this. be a DH back in baseball. There's uh, hopefully the players' union is fighting tooth and nail that they not r- remove the DH from the uh national uh our, from the american the our only state. saving
1: grace right now is the players union because the owners have approved this
0: so it's up to the, even say it
1: it's up to the no, players no, we'll get no. to that in the next segment let's go to our progressive trivia do you want me to do all all, all eight right now since we uh skipped one or do you want to just try and fit it in uh with four at a time best we can
0: i think we could fit it in with four at a time well, uh you know you know me i'm not that generous when it comes to these i i want people to get No, involved. you're not you re- you really are you really are
1: you don't have a you don't have a generous streak on the outside. I will say this, ladies and gentlemen, on the outside he is a wolf. He is a sheep in wolf's clothing. We've talked about this.
0: Me, yeah. not so much. <laughs> oh, you're evil inside.
2: There's got to be a I'm better analogy. It's a
0: dark heart.
2: There's got to be a What's better. What's that, Jeff? He's he's like a uh, he's like and uh, M. M&M. He's not like a sheep in wolf's clothing. He's an M M&M. and M, hard candy shell soft on the that, inside. There
1: no, it no, is. But, oh, oh is. my gosh, that's a perfect description of John Pelkey. Hard M&M. candy shell. And you, and you know what? He's also, you know, the guy who's reaching for the uh, the helicopter you know ladder in those commercials and then giving up at the, at the last second. All right, okay. so here we go. Progressive trivia. We're going to do baseball because we've talked some good college football. That was great. Once again, thanks to Derek. Uh, another baseball question. This is a Hall of Famer, John and Jeff. And please, text as often as you want. And Jeff, I'll tell you, in my opinion, the issue is not how many times you've guessed in terms of your percentage. The issue is if you get it right by the end of the show. Okay. Or cer- certainly by the first eight clues, if you get it right. So you can you can give me three, four clue uh, answers by, after eight, and I, I won't hold it against you. The only thing you'll be held against is if you don't get it right you know, by the end of the <laughs>
2: yes, show. Yes, yes, yes. Glad that something will be held against me.
1: Yes, I know. You have to have something like that.
0: Oh, to have something held against me.
1: (laughs) Seriously. Okay. So here we go. Uh, He's a Hall of Famer, but he did not get into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. How about that? Interesting. No gold gloves for this dude. 16-plus time All-Star. So, John, what does 16-plus
0: mean? What could it be? That means that it could be 17. It could be maybe as many as 19. There you go. What's it not? It's probably not. going to be under 20, and it's not going to be 37. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect.
1: And he's uh, he finished in the top 10 in RBIs nine times. So there you go. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer for a reason. Top 10 in RBIs nine times in his career. 16-plus time All-Star. Obviously, was among the best um, in the game. You know, at least all-star caliber. Mm. No gold gloves, however, and did not make it in the Hall of Fame on his first ballot, although he is in the Hall of Fame now. Johnny?
0: All right. We're going to move on to our next topic, and we just uh, we just kind of skirted into it a, a bit, with it, which is uh, Major League Baseball's proposal to, uh, to put together a season in 2020. I'll give you some of the bullet points on that, Mark, before we talk about it. It'd be, it would be an 80-game season. They have not committed to where necessarily games would be played they would like to play them in as many home stadiums as possible but that may not be possible depending on where where the uh, where the the virus is most active uh, Obviously there's going to be a lot of testing involved with that it would be played at least initially uh, more than likely without fans and it would expand the Playoffs to seven teams per league. Also, to your point that you brought up, and really annoys me, they would uh, they would add the designated hitter to the National League. Um, reason being is that they uh, they would also expand the rosters for particularly pitchers, Mark, because what they're what they're hoping to avoid is because you can't one hundred percent keep people. From being exposed, they want to make sure that they're not overworking anybody, that that, that everybody is in the best possible shape. There are also some issues involved with this, Mark, with uh, players with pre-existing conditions that I've been reading some stories about because there are guys out there who have had uh, problems, uh, you know, a couple of guys who have lost their spleen to injuries and things that would put them in a higher risk category. And how do you deal with that higher risk category? But the the owners voted to move forward with this. It would start sometime mid to late July. That would uh it would happen the mid to late July date is because they're they're saying they're going to need about a month to get everybody up and running. So they would have to get started with some sort of spring training, summer training uh by mid June late June at the at, at the very outset. So what are your feelings on this plan so far? It seems like something that a lot of thought was put into and could be workable and seems to have jumped over those ideas about having three or four hub places to play all of the games. Well, I'll
1: tell you what I feel m- most happy about is the fact that there's a plan, that there's any plan at all that the owners have agreed on. There is something to jump off from. As you know, John... I often wrote scripts for you and others to 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 perform in our previous duties that we'll never see again. Right. We'll never work but, in our chosen field again, people. But those, those scripts I knew would never be adhered to. They were just a jumping off point. You have to have something on paper to jump off from. You can't have a blank canvas where everyone just throws ideas or people don't know what they're doing. So we have something. And... There, I think the 80-game schedule is a bit ambitious, if you ask me. I think the playoff uh, ideas with seven teams and it going into November, I think, is, you know, fine. And, And certainly all this is fun to talk about. But there's an issue that will be very interesting to see if the players' union approve of. And, of course, it has to do with one word. John, what do you think? Money? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... This is what it is right now. This is what the union has negotiated all already. They have agreed to prorated salaries based on how many games they've played. Okay, what the now? So let's say you make ten million and you play half the season, you're going to make five million, for instance. They've already agreed to that, and the player uh, executive director Tony Clark, who we've interviewed, a former Tiger player a uh, pretty good dude, pretty good player in his day, excellent player in his day, has said that that's where they stand. They've already negotiated it in their mind. And you know how this thing goes. You know, we've negotiated something in good faith, and now you're going to run off and do something different? Really? <laughs> so they've negotiated a prorated salary. Now, what the ownership has put forward is a revenue-sharing plan, which, of course, no one knows how much money is going to be made. And they've said you can make 48 percent of the pie, you know, and, you know, I think the NFL is 48 percent. I think the NBA uh, NHL is 50. I think the NBA is somewhere between 49 and 51. I mean, it's all around the 48 to 50 percent anyway. So that's a standard rate. But that would be where they get their money is strictly revenue sharing.
0: Right. And, and, and and, And keep in mind, there may not be any fans in the stands. And they while the vast majority of the money comes from elsewhere, they're still a pretty good in eighty games, that's going to be a pretty good bit of money that probably won't be there. Even exactly. if you don't have fans John. for the first twenty-five or thirty. And from the yeah, from the ownership perspective, they want to protect
1: their interests and whatever money they make, they'll give half, essentially half, to the players. The players are saying we've already negotiated prorated salaries. You guys have plenty of money to take care of us so you can ensure that we'll be playing and we'll be risking our health and all this other stuff. It's the classic labor management setup where they don't trust each other. And labor especially doesn't trust what management is saying because management always says they don't have any money. And labor always says, bullshit, you totally have money,
0: right? Right, and so, it, plus the owners can't be trusted. Go back to collusion in the '80s and the, the '90s. I mean, they've 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 hidden money from the from the players before. Uh, but I will say, and you know me, I always come down on the labor side of everything. But I will say that there are a few things uh, in play here that we understand why the owners don't want to commit to anything because the one thing that i i kind of glossed over quickly with 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 the plans is all of the testing that's going to have to happen i mean so there's going to be a large amount of people are going to have to be tested daily people and outside of players remember even if you're playing these games without fans there's there are support people that are going to be there there are support people in the stadiums that still have to be there there will be broadcast People, Because I think what we'll see is there'll be a lot more baseball available on television for people to watch because they have to also navigate with local broadcast rights. I mean, again, lots of dominoes here to set up, lots of things that we have to put into place to make this work. But I do think the owners have uh, some legitimate concerns wow. about where the money is going to be turned picked up. You've turned. You've <laughs> turned, Johnny. Where the money's going to wait till I tell
1: all of our radical left wing freedom hater commie pinko tree loving friends.
0: I know, oh I know. Gosh. I'm giving up. I'm giving up my. Uh, I'm giving up my badge. My my left wing commie badge. But but I do think. Don't you agree? I there, agree. I do in, agree. In, There's in, a in addition, lot of hidden costs that we don't
1: even know about.
0: In addition to the plan that they've put out there, let's just say the plan that they've put out there. You know, if you need 100 building blocks in place, they put about 30 out there. And the rest of these are going to have to come, uh, are, are, are going to have to be decided upon, voted on, agreed upon. So we are, to your point, Mark, where you said you're so glad to have a plan, that's pretty much, we have a plan. Does that plan, the fact that that plan exists mean that we're going to see baseball this year? No, it still doesn't mean that. And and to your point, it's going to change. They have in place all of
1: these contingencies, all of these adjustments. I know you've watched them, KBO. I know you've watched the KBO, and they have these huge contingencies at the Korean baseball organization. They have these contingencies in place that also will cost the owners all kinds of things in terms of adjustments, in terms of what happens when a player tests positive. What do you do with that team? What do you? How do you reschedule? Those are all contingencies that the owners will have to take on themselves. To your point, testing, testing, testing. There, there's going to have to be so many more tests per capita. Than we have in this country right now. right now we're at about twenty five to thirty, which is a lot better than it was, but twenty five to thirty thousand per million is what we have per you know per capita if you figure that out right now. It's going to have to be a lot more than that. That's going to all fall on the owners. So what I would say what a suggestion I would say John and we're in the entertainment business and part of the deal you know we we've we've uh, bantered and played around with uh, on the fringes of independent film to some degree you and I and you know a big part of that is being paid on the back end if you will right Yeah. so yeah. if there's a revenue sharing plan maybe if if during this time because we all know that uh, necessity is the mother of invention if during this time some other outstanding money-making ways and other platforms are discovered, some interactive platforms are discovered, that maybe the players get 60% of all of that revenue in the future as opposed to 48 And all of the players that are involved in this time right now that give up their pre-negotiated prorated salary for just strictly revenue sharing can get a back-end payment, perhaps
0: maybe that's a way to bridge the gap. What yeah, you now, now, if you're going to convince the players that the owners don't hide revenue, uh, then that that's one of the issues to come into play. But I think you're right, Mark, and I think maybe, you know, we've talked about this before when we've gone off on our political stuff, that, you know, I'm far left, you're far left over with me, other people may be on the right, and usually the solutions fall somewhere in the middle, the, war, the yep. workable solutions. So maybe yes. maybe there's a level of pro-rating where it's not a 50% pro-rate. Maybe, it's, maybe they, they, it's, it's a lesser percentage, to your point, on the front end, and then it can be made up a little bit on the back end by giving them a little larger percentage, to your point. Um, I, I mean, I, I at this point, I have to think that it benefits the players and the uh, owners to play baseball at some point. So I think they can find that. So it's going
1: to be very interesting to see what happens, because the, tomorrow is, I believe, it's tomorrow when the players vote on this thing. So they have one day to look it over. So, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. I, I don't think there's going to be a lot. I, I want to get Jeff in here who uh, you know ha- has, a, has a far greater business sensibility than you and I do. And uh, I want to ask him about the ideas that are out there. You know, the, the players have already negotiated a pro rated rate. The owners want nothing except revenue sharing at 48%. I don't think that's going to fly if those are the only two options. I think there's got to be a middle ground, Jeff, and maybe there's a back-end payment somehow where their percentage is higher with new platforms and new found ways of making money in major league baseball what are your thoughts
2: my thoughts are unless there is something in their contracts that has to do with some sort of catastrophic loss in revenue by these teams they should have to live up to their contracts if they've contracted a guy to play 10 years at 300 million dollars and it doesn't say if a season is lost uh we don't have to pay you then they should have to pay them the full rate Wow! look Yeah, at that. but he's BM, more
0: radical than we are, Johnny. Yeah, but contracts, you know, contracts aren't actually written up that way. There, there is there are things in in pro. I know enough about sports pro, pro sports contracts that if games are lost, that I I'm acts of God, if you will. Okay. Well, so that's I, let's
2: I, say that's in there. So that's, yeah. That's so in they, there. that
0: would that would be the pro-rated thing, which has been been agreed upon that you get paid. It has. Whatever split, take what your you know per 162 game. games per whatever your salary is, and give them that percentage. Um, then yes, yeah, again
2: I live there too.
0: Okay, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote platoon. There's the way things are, and the way they ought to be. That's the way things ought You're to be. quoting Oliver Stone. Just, just I, say that. I I know. I uh, no I understand that. I'm I'm uh, quoting a really good Oliver Stone movie as opposed to Any Given Sunday which is <laughs> which somehow has gotten more that, Oh than god. Oh, other good Oliver Stone movie on garbage, this garbage movie that it is. And while I I agree with you in theory Jeff, I just don't think uh, moving forward it's it's a workable proposition. I think that both sides are going to have to give in a little. I don't think I don't think At this point, it benefits either side to dig in uh, 100 percent in their position. And I do think, Mark, and we've seen this before, Jeff, I do think that they that both sides will move at some point. I agree. It it would not benefit them if they could open the season to not open the season over over a battle like this.
2: If you ask me what I think is probably going to happen, I think what's going to happen is that uh, everyone gets a vote and you have a lot of guys who are going to say, I'm not taking less money because I'm in a good position here. I, I can take the season off. I have my, have my bills are paid. I'm all good. I think it's going to come down to those guys that are making the lower end of the salaries that uh the the owners are going to be able to dig in a little harder than the players are because a large swath of the voters are going to be in a a less powerful position than the guys that we're going to hear from
0: well it's also easier to get a small tent together you know you've got 30 owners as opposed to this Think yeah, think of all those players. Right, but think yeah. of this, John. What what what's the minimum
1: right now? It's about six hundred, seven hundred thousand for for a, a, for the minimum. Yeah. So let's say the average player is making. You know, th- there's quite a few players that are making say a million dollars. So they're going to make five hundred thousand. So a million, yeah, to to you and I, to everyone listening, more than likely, uh, a million is plenty, and five hundred thousand is plenty. But if you're going to make less than 500,000 now i'm almost thinking that the low end guys are the going to be the ones that are most stringent against this thing like i want at least half my salary i don't want to hope hope against hope that i'm going to make that 500 maybe make more if somehow in 80 games there's enough revenue out there for everyone
0: and, yeah, and Are they expecting expanded revenue from television? Because I know those are some of the interesting things out there. It's like you would think that, well, gosh, if you're going to televise more games, we're going to get more nationally. There's going to be more money coming in there. But realize there's less advertising money coming into television networks. They don't really have the, re- the resources that they had before. And baseball would benefit in other ways by having more games televised, even if they don't get a larger percentage from Fox Sports, uh, whoever else is, is doing, ESPN's doing baseball. Um, so those are also financial issues that I, are, are going to drive this. And then, then there's this question. If a guy doesn't feel comfortable coming back and he has four years left on his contract, if they play an 80-game season at the end of the season, does he have three years left on his contract? Or does he still have four years left on his contract?
1: Right, that's very interesting. We talked about the uh, the Mookie Betts thing earlier. About uh, is it possible because he has a one year deal? Is it possible <laughs> for him to have been a Dodger and never play? You know, never be a Dodger? And right. That that'll that'll make was, for a
0: much better progressive trivia yeah, down I, the line. I everybody agree. Everybody with the Mookie I wonder if those players.
2: Transition. I wonder if some of those players to end this is or uh, will end up with zero years on that contract and being in breach of contract if they don't feel comfortable. playing. Playing and everybody else is playing.
0: Oh, Jeff, so naive to think there's such a thing a breach of contract in these things. As we know, the contract, much like a run Disney script, is
2: simply a suggestion. Oh my coaches,
0: managers, play. Come (laughs) on,
2: you use the perfect example because having been at the whim of the script, personally affected by people going off script, I know exactly what you're saying. Yep, he does. he, he's there. He's
1: there guy. trying to trying to
0: shoot off cues,
2: you know, that are highly
0: important. And the hosts are doing whatever they want. Oh, Johnny goes. This host will be doing nothing ever again. So, wow. I, so I'm gonna I'm gonna lose in, in the end. As as probably again, if there's a just God, I will. How How, I will how be, it should be. It's, yeah, it's how, how it, it should be. be. I, I, I'd be rotten in a pauper's grave right now with a just God. All right, let's move on to our progressive trivia. That was a great segue for our progressive trivia, Mark. All right, so the first four close, this is a baseball guy who was in the Hall of Fame, oh, by the
1: way, but did not get in the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. He's uh, never won a gold glove. He was a 16-plus-time All-Star, which John Pelkey has mentioned It's probably 16, 17, 18, possibly 19. That's probably all it is. But we can't give you the exact amount because you will cheat. Top 10 in RBIs, however, nine times. That's top 10 in the league, in his league, finished Uh, In the top ten there, and RBIs nine times. Next four clues. He finished in the MVP voting in his league. In the top five in the MVP seven different times, John. How about that? Seven different times he was in the top five. However, under 400 home runs, under a 290 lifetime batting average, and played 17-plus years. What does that mean,
0: John? How many years did he probably play? He probably played 17, 18, or 19 years. More than likely, because if it had been if it, maybe 20, because if it had been more than 20, you would have said 20 plus. I would have.
1: Or maybe eight or maybe 19 plus. I would have said. Something. Ah, look at you. Yes. So there
0: it is. Those are the four. Those are the eight hints. Anyone? Well, I know the, these what, are tough. What were the numbers again? You kind of went through that one a little quickly. Uh, MVP top five, seven times. He, he hit under uh, under 400 home runs. Under 400 home runs, right. And, and then 290.
1: 290 lifetime batting average. 16-plus okay. time All-Star. Top 10 in the RBIs. Uh, league RBI finishes uh, nine times. And top five in the MVP finish seven times. Top five, Johnny. <laughs> this guy sure. was obviously a very good player. You know.
0: Amongst, right, sent his, amongst his peers, I sent you. I sent you one. I think. I think it's wrong, but I sent you one. All so. right. Let's see if John Pelkey's
1: first guess is right. Ozzie Smith is incorrect.
0: Ah, In- I'm thinking incorrect. Shortstop, yeah. catcher, maybe low. You know, not not a power guy. So that's that's where I'm. That's where I'm. sitting. there's the extra clue from me trying to guess it. Though Jeff's really the one who's good at this, so I don't expect much. To be quite frank, I have and, no expectations. Uh, and and Derek Abbott has just
1: uh, has just texted us with breaking news, John. You've seen that Florida Tech just cut their football program within the last hour. That's a They're division not be two the last. team, top there twenty be the
0: division.
1: Last. You know, top twenty division two team, Johnny.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And sorry to step on you there. It's not going to be the last. We talked about that in an earlier show. Some of the non-revenue producing sports that are going to fold. I believe it was the University of Cincinnati folded their soccer program because basketball, football, uh, which are the sports that are going to be most affected, the revenue producing sports uh, are going to be most affected in colleges. really drive some of those other programs keep them afloat so yep. that's that's the first football program i've heard from uh, about and uh, sadly i don't think it's going to be the last i right? agree with you johnny and it is um, sad
1: there's no doubt about
0: it we are going to end up with those super conferences mark it's going to happen it's going we're going to the, the landscape of college football this is going to in my mind fundamentally change the landscape of college football uh, coming out of this. If, well, forever, you think, or is it a one-off? I think I. I don't think it's a one-off. I mean, I think this season's going to be a one-off and different, but I think moving forward, what we're going to see is with that revenue reduced, um, I, I think that revenue ramping back up again because I don't know that the television uh, deals will be as large because of lost revenue for, for television and sports broadcasting, which is you know, it really kind of dwindle away quite a bit. Um, I think you're going to see fundamental changes in college football, and I think you're going to see... Um, we may see the Big 12 go away. Listen, we you. may see... We may see just those How
1: about teams. the Big 12? How, how about two of the teams from the, from the, from the Big 10 go to the Big 12 to make it a 12-team Right, And then how about two of the teams... That are still left over in the Big Ten because there's 12 left now. How about they go to where would they go to? Maybe the uh, well the Pac already has 12 teams. Well,
0: they well, should go. You to know the what?
1: ACC. You know what? And how many teams does the SEC have? Do we even know? I think it's 12. Okay. I how think. about the ACC? Do we even know?
0: Don't <laughs> <laughs> ask questions you don't know the answer to.
1: Lord. No, I'm asking you. I'm saying. Oh, I don't team. know the answer to them either. Okay, I'm just we're just admitting that we have no idea how many teams are in the ACC.
0: I could figure it out if I counted, but I don't know off the top of my head. My God, it seems like there's twelve teams in every in every conference. All right, so we're going to go with, except for the Big Twelve, which yeah. there's not twelve teams. But so, but I, I agree with you that it should be folded simply for that. It's going to change. It's going to
1: change, but I'm not sure it doesn't bounce back to the normal way back in 2021 because I think every person agrees, no matter how pessimistic. Or optimistic they are, or what side of the fence you're on in terms of how bullshitty the virus is. Because I hear a lot of people online at protests say how how you know that the that, the, that it's a, a bullshit virus. I mean, eight thousand people in two months, folks. It's not the flu. Let's move on. You you have plenty of different opinions all over the place, but everyone sort of agrees. Every scientist agrees. Every layperson agrees that by June of 2021, it'll be done. Because these things usually okay. it has a lot of the characteristics of SARS and influenza.
0: I just and think it's it. going to change things in this way, Mark. And I hate to cut you off, but I'm going to cut you off. Please. I think it's going to change in this way I, because I think revenue for for colleges is going to change, revenue for the sports department, revenue for everybody is going to change, and I don't think it's going to bounce back that quickly because uh, there's going to be less there's going to be less money available to people because we've got s- uh, some large companies, larger. Companies that are now filing for bankruptcy and may not survive, and so I think I just think there's going to be less money available. So I agree with that. This orgy of spending on sports, I think, which we've had over the last 15 to 20 years, with the growth of college football and uh, really every sport on television, with, with the exception of baseball, and I still think baseball is probably up their revenues from television as well. I don't think that money's going to be there, and I think it's going to change things. And I think well, it's going to change. I, most I agree. That most money, drastically in college football, possibly, possibly, and uh, right. who knows? It's all spec. It's all a parlor game at this point, Jenny. It, it is all a parlor game, but that's that's what we do when we don't have live sports to talk about.
1: Well, that's all we do. Period. When we Good even point. do have live sports, Good is to engage in parlor games.
0: It's true because we, we we're not going to get into the statistical analysis that much because you can find that stuff elsewhere. No. All right, exactly. What you can't find elsewhere is our poll question. Beautiful. And our poll question for this week is one I like this one a lot. The most heartbreaking player loss for any of your teams. So, be it free agency, retirement, trade, God forbid, passing. (laughs) Because I, well, there are a couple that come to mind right there. Thurman Munson comes to mind for Yankee fans, and and uh, my goodness. Roberto Clemente, if you're a fan yep. of the Pittsburgh Pirates, there are guys those, those situations. So, But we want to know what your the most heartbreaking one was for you. And, of course, you can always uh, leave us a voice memo at podcastafr at gmail.com. That's podcastafr at gmail.com. Uh, you can also leave any other suggestions, criticisms that you like about the show. But uh, we really want to know what was the most heartbreaking player loss for any of your teams. I think that'll be... Uh, that'll be That's a really fun one. And I tell you, Mark, I, I had to think about it. I've been, I, I guess know. I've been pretty lucky that way.
1: I don't know which one is for me, to tell you the truth. There have been a, a few. Well, Montana teams. has to be up there. Montana is up there, but Steve Young was the reigning
0: MVP. All right, so you don't really care so about it, people. It didn't hurt quite as really like people. You don't care about people. For you, the, the, the organization was moving forward. So it didn't matter. Well, again, he
1: wasn't going to be the starter. So it didn't matter if he was on Just our... Just admit it, you, know. you don't care about people. Woman no, woman. I do care about people, if you think about it. I wanted him to have an opportunity to do well as opposed to sit on a bench behind the reigning MVP who would not have been benched. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. So it didn't hurt me as much. It almost made
0: me happy that he had a chance to go somewhere else. And he went to the AFC. Exactly. And I think the fact that he went to Kansas City at that point and, you know, prior to them obviously winning the Super Bowl this year, they were a team where those of us who have been football fans for a long time, you look at, I think everybody looks at pro, at uh, franchises and goes, you know, my team's not going to win. It'd be kind of fun to see them. we were, I know you were pulling, obviously, for San Francisco because it's your team in the Super Bowl. But you you didn't even have a huge problem with Kansas City winning the Super Bowl. No, because- I love.
1: I love Kansas City, and it, there was a real possibility. As a matter of fact, the two teams got to the championship game that year, so it was a real possibility yeah, that Joe Montana could be facing the Niners in the Super Bowl. I was so glad that he that he had an opportunity to play, and the an opportunity to play, you know, with a guy like Schottenheimer, I believe, was the coach at the time. You know, who was obviously a good coach. This was obviously a good team, and there was no way Joe was going to start. It was sad when Leonard Marshall injured him in the ninety championship game. And then in 91, it was up and down because Steve Young, you know, wasn't quite the MVP that year. But, boy, after 92, I wanted him to have a – so it didn't hurt in that sense. So I have to think about it. Willie Mays was traded, but he was 87 at the time. Yeah, he went to the Mets. Yeah, and the the Mets went to – and I was a huge Mets fan in 73. He was trading in 72, and they got to the World Series, and I was rooting. You know, it became about that. So. I do have to think about it, and I'm very anxious to hear what
0: yours is and well, uh, what Jeff's is. I want to say Jeff just texted uh, that Anthony Rendon, so yours is really mine,
2: recent. Mine is really recent, but I've never been so sad to see a guy go. Yeah. He went out with, with class. He was oh, a guy I, I, I loved, loved to play. I'm, I was so sad to see him go. I'm going to root for him still.
1: Yeah, and, yeah and as he, am I. That's a good one. I agree. I love I love him. I love that team. By the way, I'm sure Jeff, you finished. You finished the uh, NLCS between the uh, Nationals I, and the Dodgers.
2: I have not yet. I, uh, oh, I put that on hold. I, my, uh, I I started getting into other stuff, and I was kind of doing that in the office. I haven't been spending as much time in the office, so it's on hold right now.
1: On game one, still? No, down no, 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 no,
2: no, no. I I it's uh, game. I'm on game four.
1: Ooh, nice. Yes. You're down. You're down. You're down two one, right? Yes. <laughs> In a best of five. Uh-huh. I like it. So it's gonna end well. It's gonna Maddis- end well. <laughs> Madison Bumgarner comes <laughs> to mind. Spoiler alert. <laughs> who was just uh let go this season for the Giants. But I have to think about it in terms of what really broke my heart. We had another one that we'll do that, that is much easier for me. And we'll get to that maybe in, in a few weeks. The other heartbreaking type of thing, but it, it, it affects a different element of your
0: sports viewing
1: and we All we, right. we won't give that away.
0: We won't give that away, but again, you can let us know at AFR at gmail.com. Most disappointing uh, t- uh, loss of a player to your team, however you lost them. Uh, what was the most disappointing for you? And but now we need to get back to our progressive trivia, Mark. All right, sounds great, Johnny. Okay, so
1: did not get into, he's a Hall of Fame baseball player, but he did not get into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. He had no gold gloves. He's a 16-plus-time All-Star, so he was an All-Star quite a bit. During his career, Uh, he was in the top 10 in the league in RBI's nine different times, which is great. He was in the top five in his league, finishing for the MVP vote seven different times. Uh, Top five MVP, seven different times, but he finished under 400 home runs, under a 290 lifetime batting average, 17 plus years in the league. All right, under 2,300 hits, never led the league in any category, any category. But these two should give it away. He's a three-time MVP winner. Three-time. There's only a few of those. And he's a ten-time World Series winner. So that narrows it down quite a bit. Those two clues, essentially, in my mind, give it away. Good luck.
0: Wow, I should, three-time MVP, I should know that off the top of my head, and I'm, I, I, feel, I feel shame right now. I, I really do feel shame.
1: Well, Johnny, I don't know what it is, but that three-time MVP and ten-time World Series, for me, thats those are the kind of things in my head that yeah. stick. You, you know, you, you have other things that stick in your head that just go just shoot right by me, and I have no clue, and I have these huge holes, and I have to ask you millions of questions about it, and you get annoyed. But in terms of me, those kinds of numbers, three-time MVP, ten-time World Series,
0: mm. those are pretty darn significant, and they just – they just Jeff's, stick for me. Jeff's guess would have been mine, but I do think that his average is above 290. I also I know he had a horrible final year, and it brought his average under 300, but I don't think it dropped it as low as 289.
1: Mantle is a great guess. I believe he is definitely a three-time MVP winner. I don't think, believe it or not, I don't think he got to 10 times. He certainly went there 10 times. I don't think he won 10 times. And yeah, He certainly had over 400 home runs. Oh, right. yeah, That's the big one.
2: Man, there's these other clues I've got to remember. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah, there are a few other clues you need to take into consideration.
2: Right. He also probably won some gold gloves.
1: He probably did. Yeah. He probably did. All right, so that's it. But we we do have a a, a new element to our show, Johnny. Yes, we do. right now.
0: Yes, we do. we do. We've been doing a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, excuse me, uh, a five day a week, Monday through Friday, uh, doing the show Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but Monday through Friday, five times a week, we've been doing our live progressive trivia. And uh, you have done the lion's share. I throw out uh, kudos to you. Uh, I'll be doing today's at six o'clock, which I'm so happy because I can, you know, I can relax and you know what that means. <laughs> yes, I know exactly <laughs> what that means. Not that I'm not going to be doing the same thing. Um, but our progressive trivia standings, we only have one multiple winner. Mark. Yeah, we do. Mr. Lenny Rowe.
1: And I believe if I'm not mistaken, Johnny, that he's won 3 in a row to uh go past the entire pack and he has a uh you know, he's sort of secretary at the moment right now. He's yeah, he well really ahead is. of well ahead of the pack. He's got 3 victories. We've had 9 so far. He's got 3. Everyone else, we've got six other winners that have each got one. Uh, our first winner was Keith Abbott, father of Derek, who we just interviewed today on the show, who was terrific, by the way. So Derek Abbott, Dane Becker. Keith Abbott. Keith Abbott. No, and I'm talking about the, the, the future hosts of, uh, oh, of for The Review. Oh, of course. Yes. Derek Abbott, Dane Becker. Yeah. And, and who's our... Um, Laura Luke. She comes up with all the questions. Laura and, uh, Luke. And so. I think there was one other... Oh, uh Alan Kelly. Remember yeah, Alan, Alan Kelly. Kelly. Yeah, they'll be taking over the show. <laughs> By yeah, it's and it's gonna explode with them. It's gonna right. explode with them. None right of them now, it's fired. however. None of them, however, progressive no. trip winners. No. No. no, Keith Keith Abbott is one. Uh Chris Jablonsky, friend of ours from the ESPN Club, Chef one. Chef
0: from over there at Disney and a big yeah. penguins fan, No, I like him anyway.
1: Lisa Charlotte Reynolds, huge Dolphin fan and a big fan of our show at the our Sunday show, our Sunday tailgate show at the club. She's one one Nina Allen, uh, a tech director at uh, DPLE, Disney Parks Live Entertainment, who you and I have worked with on the cruise ships, Johnny. But we'll never work with her again. (laughs) Well, we will never work with her again. Nina Uh, Sheets. What's
2: that? Nina, Nina Sheets. <laughs> That's her maiden name, if I'm not mistaken. Good friend, there you of mine. go. Good friend I mean, of mine. I'm
0: sure, I'm sure Jeff and Nina go way back.
1: We well. do go yeah. way
2: back.
0: Is she? Is she? Is she? Some way uh, uh, related to the Sheets, uh, convenience, store. In, sheets, the sheets, sheets convenience Store? Is that in Sheets? Is that Cleveland? Is that in Cleveland? No. It, yeah. No. It runs out. It's like Western Pennsylvania. I mean, Sheets, sheets is a
2: possibility.
0: Mid Atlantic. There's a lot of
1: Mid Atlantic Sheets Store. My neck of the woods. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Scott McKinney, who's a Mid Atlantic guy, he's a Baltimore guy and a friend of uh, my
0: son Bobby Ferrer. He's one one and Pete Zicky, friend of the right. show, who had the idea of doing the live draft show and then just didn't show up. So, <laughs> so no, there Pete, you go.
1: Pete Zicky is is a friend of the show in our in our previous iterations. He's often uh, subbed for you and I when, when we've been out for one reason or another. And
0: he got my Earl moral because it was the day after Don Shula had passed away, and I thought that was a really good one. And and I'm still amazed that Earl Morrill, You've learned something about a guy. Played in the college World Series as well, as well as the Rose Bowl. That's just remarkable, Earl Morrill, Great, great athlete. So that's it, Lenny, with a with a big lead. Uh, six o'clock between six and seven every night, up. Monday through Friday. Another cool. chance to win Progressive Trivia. So and and that's every up. and every Monday, John. We're going to
1: announce it on the show, but we're not going to publish it. So you've got to listen to the show. Ostensibly, this will drive people to listen to the show, right? in theory it sounds theory, good to me
0: this will drive people to listen to the by show. by the way
1: jeff taylor jeff taylor once again once again got it right
2: had to be a guy in pinstripes oh yeah obviously or a Montreal all canadian one of those and two I had things it.
0: i and i didn't go with that one but i said earlier well it's got to be a catcher
1: you did or shortstop yeah you, you you narrowed it down to a catcher and i did everything I could not to give you any encouragement about that.
0: Well, and you talked about the '73 Mets, and he and he was the manager of the '73 Mets. So give everybody the answer, Mark. It is Yogi Berra, the great Yogi Berra, the great. Can you believe he didn't get into the Hall of Fame his first ballot? That's that's hard to believe. I, that <laughs> is just it, a joke. Was there was it, was it Yankee uh, uh, fatigue? fatigue? Is that it? You know, did Maybe. he go up against? You know, is, that, is it something like that? Because that makes no sense whatsoever. That's just Yogi didn't get there.
1: Well, I, I don't know, too. And, and who knows? He stayed in baseball for so long, but not right. as a player. He was a manager. He was the manager of the Mets. He, he
0: managed the Yankees for a while. Um, anyway, an one of my favorite people and oh. the most quotable, you go through that Ken Burns baseball thing with the Yogi quotes. One of my favorites was when he was, uh, you know, and most of these are probably apocryphal and were written later, but uh, apparently when he was in high school, He'd, he'd gotten something wrong. He got an F on a test. And the teacher said, don't you know anything? And Yogi said, I don't even suspect anything.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what <a great> quote. <laughs> of the I great mean, quotes of all time. Yes.
1: That, is, that seems more of a real witticism than a yogiism.
0: Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, maybe he's claiming that one because it made him. So the other one that I love is apparently he was at some function with uh, either the mayor of New York or a borough mayor or governor or whatever and his wife. And Yogi was wearing like a new linen suit. And apparently the woman walked up and people swear this is true, walked up to him, uh, the mayor's governor's wife, whatever, and said, you look really cool in your new suit. And Yogi looked at her and said, you don't look so hot yourself. So, <laughs> uh, come on. He, between he and Stengel.
1: Yeah, I mean and, and, and I mean he was
0: ninety, you know, he, ninety Yogi Berra years. Oh, God, yes. And Three he was around time MVP. He was around a Yankee spring training for years, and I had an opportunity to interview him and he was just just yeah. terrific. And you just, just think about guy. what what he's seen. Don Larson's uh, he caught Don Larson's first game in the yeah. World Series. Called yeah. every one of those pitches, by the way, at that point in time. Um gosh, just a just a great play. and we brought him up on the show the Bill Mazeroski, If you see that exactly. famous Video of Bill Mazeroski hitting the ball over the left field wall. Who's the guy standing there watching it go over? That's Yogi Berra, who's playing left field in the '60 World Series. Who not only watches it go over, but starts running into the dugout before it even goes over the fence because he
1: just I, I, knew it was gone.
0: And I, it's such a metaphor too for for a, a guy who's been around baseball that long, and how if you're around baseball that long, you're gonna you know, and you're in that many worlds, you're gonna lose some. And you just see his body language doesn't even look like, you know, you see most guys be depressed, fall to their knees, throw. He's just, he just looks up, turns around, takes one step, uh-uh, turns around, runs back for the, for the dugout. Now he probably figures the Pittsburgh people are going to, are, are going to, uh, you know, file onto the field and it's going to get ugly. But uh, Yogi Berra, what a just, you I, I could spend hours on. Berra.
1: I know. Love Love Yogi Berra. It's a remarkable career. If you have any extra time and well, We all have extra time. Go on to BaseballReference.com and just have at it in terms of all the different things Yogi Berra was a part of. So, yeah, good job, Jeff. Once again, dude, man, there it is. You are. You are. You're beyond impressive at this point in time. I don't even know the apt description for you.
2: Well, I'll go with that one. (laughs) <laughs> beyond impressive Fair enough.
1: beyond impressive Jeff Taylor I, beyond impressive
2: I would like an
0: assist and I'll I'll move it to a hockey assist like where you can get a double assist by, by mentioning catcher I just want to say that I that yeah. I deserve some you got some the primary
2: you got the primary assist
0: primary oh the problem oh, I, I would have settled with the secondary assist pretty but generous take, if you ask me I think the I'll, primary assist was 10
1: World Series did, I think that, that was the primary assist
0: Oh, goodness. All right. Remember, our our uh, poll question for this week is uh, what's what's the most disappointing or tragic or sad player loss to a team that you uh, that you had in your fandom, either left by trade, retirement, uh, free agency, passed away, whim, whatever, whatever it is, (laughs) you know, feel, feel, feel. Well, you know, this one's timely because I watched the last dance. I watched The Last Dance last night, and they and right. we'll talk about it more on the next spot. And I know we're way over here time wise, but but who cares? What do people have to do? But they talked about you know when Michael Jordan quit to go play baseball, right? And uh, you know just the shock waves right. that uh, that that made it there. Well, you know one of mine, and I had to think about it, and I came up with one, and I think Mark, it'll be uh, it'll make sense to you, and you'll be surprised when we talk about it. Um, you you won't be surprised. You'll be surprised you didn't think of it. But we're talking about uh, baseball and catchers, when Rick Dempsey left the Baltimore Orioles, uh huh. And I think he went to the Dodgers, so there's that too. Uh, but, uh, when he left, because he was my favorite Oriole during that the period of time, I always liked catchers and he was just an entertaining guy. Had an opportunity to interview him years later. And so that was one, but that's not my ultimate one. You will, uh, when I say it, you'll be nodding your head, yes, because it was, it was devastating. It came out of nowhere and, uh, ultimately was, uh, just horrid for for one of the programs that I. Yes, that I find. and that I think that's part of it too. Is is that the the player
1: that gets traded or moves on, you know, is is uh significantly better off the team that they end up with if indeed yeah, and that's we, how they do it compared to the, your team.
0: Right, and I think we can expand it. I think we can expand it to player or coach as well. I think oh, we okay, fair expand, enough. I like to it. Expand it too. Because there have been, you know, some surprise retirements there that have thrown people into a quandary. All right, that's it. Have I missed anything, Mark? Anything else you'd like to weigh in
1: on? Nope. We got to everything. I have I've, I've figured out my two guys. I figured them out. And uh, it, it, uh, it, it goes to the devastation. It goes to the heartbreak. Uh, you know, where Joe Montana wasn't, we have talked about that. Bill Walsh wasn't because we had George Seifert coming in and a great team. You know, and, and Bill Walsh seemed like he wanted to do it. It's it, there, There's Willie Mays was old, but these two that I have, and I have to decide right. on which one, uh, definitely broke my heart. Okay. We will and, talk and about And made that. my team so
0: much more worse. All right. We will talk about that on Wednesday. For the great Jeff Taylor on the board, Mark Ferrer, I'm John Pelkey. You've been listening to After Further Review. I'll talk to you again on Wednesday.